Welcome to Meet the Filmmakers at the Apple Store, Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator, Chris Hewitt. Hello. Thank you so much for coming out, everybody. What a small, disappointing crowd this is. Unbelievable. Uh, anyway, The Rover is a dark and powerful post-apocalyptic thriller set in Australia. It's from David Michaud, director of Animal Kingdom. It reunites him with one of the stars of that movie, Guy Pearce, and it throws in Robert Pattinson for good measure as well. It throws in Robert Pattinson for good measure as well. Just want to double check that. Uh, uh, before we meet the trio, let's take a look at the trailer. Please welcome the writer-director of The Rover, David Michaud. And the stars of The Rover, Guy Pearce and Robert Pattinson. Guys, guys, guys. Uh, David, let's, let's start with you, because I believe this movie began for you back in 2007, before Animal Kingdom even came about. Can you talk about how this came about for you? Uh, I was in LA with Joel Edgerton, who, uh, a good friend of mine who I have worked with a number of times, and we were uh, just throwing around ideas for a movie that at the time we thought his brother Nash might direct. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, I started writing it and just started writing a movie for me. And I went and made <laughs> Animal Kingdom and everything went nuts. And, yeah. and, and uh, in the mayhem after Animal Kingdom, I just I had a look at all different things I could possibly do, but I just always knew somehow that I wanted the rover to be the one. Mm. So you had lots of different scripts at different stages? Or was this one that was ready to go and you thought... No, this one wasn't ready to go. I had only okay. done one draft of it. Oh, really? But I had... But so I once I'd made that decision, then I jumped in and did another couple of drafts, and 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 uh, and yeah, made it the thing that it is now. So how would you describe the rover? I mean, we've just seen the trailer, but for people who haven't seen the trailer, how would you uh, describe the film? Is it uh, something that can be described in a pithy <laughs> couple of sentences? I used to talk. I used to describe it as a kind of a a a, a dark and dirty and violent near future western, and then I stopped. Calling it that, I don't know why. But you yeah, know, it's good. It's, it that's works. kind of what it is. It works. And uh, 
And Guy, let's bring you in on this one. Uh, who do you play in the rover? Can you talk about your character exactly? Who is he? Oh, well, that's a tough question. It is a tough question. Um, I like to start with the tough ones first. And yeah. then build them on the it was a tough, it was a tough uh, journey for me to, 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 to find who he was, actually, to be honest. And, and David and I had a lot of discussions in the beginning. And obviously, when you see the film, you realise that, you know, there, there's... Um, there's a lot of this man that is sort of stripped away, you know, he's, he's lost and sort of given up on his, his morality, I guess, and his sense of humanity, etc. So, you know, by the time the film starts, you find a guy who's the uh, sort of a ghost of himself in a way, you know, and really become sort of reverted back to being a sort of an animal rather than mm. a person almost, you know. So it's a tough, complex kind of guy. Yeah. At, at a base level, it's essentially about a man who wants to retrieve his car, his stolen car. Uh, oh, look, to be honest, on an even more base level, it's it's much more interesting than that. Mm. You know, it's it's, and we can't really give away what no, it is that yeah. he's. You know, but but the car is connected because of because of what's uh, because of what's in it. You know, so you know, it's about a man who really has one um, last, um, uh, you know, one one last thing to do. Really, probably before ending his own life. Really, mm. and uh, and and honouring that. You know. Okay. And, uh, and Robert, you, uh, you play Ray in this. Who is Ray? Uh, Ray is uh, one of a gang of uh, kind of quite lame criminals, sort of a misfit band of uh, criminals out, out in the middle of nowhere in Australia. And me and uh, Ray and his brother are part of this little gang. Um, and I've sort of been left for dead, and um, my brother's stolen Eric's car and Eric sort of kidnaps me to find the car again. Okay. So you're playing American in this one. I, I believe you had to audition with the accent in place already. Is that, is that true? Uh, yeah, whatever accent <laughs> I was doing, I'm not entirely sure what it was. But uh, so I was just thinking yesterday when we were rehearsing, I didn't do I, I refused to do my accent. So when we were rehearsing and I was doing an English accent. <laughs> it's really weird. Oh, yeah, I can't remember now, really. Yeah. I was too scared to do it. Oh, really? <laughs> so the minute the cameras rolled, you were just like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it on the night. I'm fine. Yeah, on the day, on the yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. We, we have a, a number of clips from the film. First up is a clip uh, in which Eric, having had his car just stolen from him, uh, tries to retrieve it. Let's take a look. Thank you. It's our truck, man. What? It's our truck, man. What?
And that's just the beginning. Um, so, Guy, I mean, Eric seems fairly single-minded in, in his pursuit. Have you ever played a character like him? And, and where did that single-mindedness come from for you as an actor? How did you tap into that? Uh, no, I don't think I've played a character like this before. Um, and hopefully not. I always try to do different things, I guess. And, and really just tapping into what, what the, his objective is in the, in the script, you know. So, and once, once I understood... Uh, who he was and what he was about and what was all he had left in his life, then that single-mindedness really was was sort of very clear, you know. Was he a, a difficult character on set? Were you able to access him fairly easily or were you slightly difficult to be around <laughs> during filming? I'm always difficult to be around. <laughs> um, no, I think I, I managed to slip in and out, didn't I? Or did I? You're asking me if you're a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, that was no. It's one. It was it, fortunately. I think I, we've talked about this. You know, I think guy, you 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 learned early on in your career that if you do that thing that actors sometimes do, where you got to hang on to your character all twenty four seven, that you just expend a lot of energy that doesn't end up on the screen, and you have to you have to find ways of preparing, and then shedding the character once you know the day is finished and 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 then and then just being a nice guy then being <laughs> and then tapping it sort of tapping back into it again yeah yeah, absolutely. yeah. and uh and david i believe you wrote the part of eric with guy in mind uh can you talk about that and then also what you were looking for in ray and how you happened upon mr pattinson here um <clears throat> uh i had had uh well, I mean, just for starters, I had, I had, I, I like to when I'm writing, I, I like where possible to have an actor in my head. It ma for some reason it makes the process easier. I, I can, f I can smell and see and feel the character, um, and I, you know, I, I, Guy is incredibly good at playing a really just powerful stillness that I knew this character needed but I also knew that this character needed to have very clear moments of of uh, emotional vulnerability mm -hmm. and guys guys that like the master at it so I, I found it very useful <laughs> for me to to just have that in my head mm -hmm. um, I didn't really have anyone in my head when I was writing Rob's character yeah uh, I, I, I just no one came in I when I I had already met Rob, I just randomly in a like a just uh, in a sort of you know Hollywood meeting, um, and I didn't really know anything about him, but I just like meeting meeting actors, mm -hmm. and um, and I am immediately liked him. Um, I just found his uh, you know his just qualities beguiling, and uh, and and he was uh, you know anyway I just liked him. He's smart and funny and fun. Um, it's not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's so not funny. But even then, I didn't actually know that I was going to... Um, I didn't know that I was going to make the rover when we had that first meeting. Okay. You know, actually, I've never said this before, because I, when, I, I, when I think about it, it may even... Meeting Rob may have been one of the things that made me go, I think the rover should be the next thing because I've got a feeling about him. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> I was meeting something totally different. <laughs> what was that? I was meeting something totally different. 
Okay, I'm not gonna. I'll take it. Yeah, take that one. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. For all by all, for all I knew, you could have turned up and auditioned and just been shit. And I want to go. Like, okay, well, who, who else is out there? But I. Uh, but I just had a feeling. You know, I weirdly think that may have been sort of true. I just remember walking away from that meeting, going, "Wow, if I made the rover, I would love to see what that guy can do." Mm. Um, and then I started testing for it, and Rob came in and auditioned, uh, and sure enough, my incredible instincts were spot on. <laughs> and uh, and I just knew straight away. I felt like it was. I remember Rob left, and I remember the casting director who was there with me turning yeah. to us turning to each other and uh, and going, "There he is." Amazing. You know? How was his accent first time around? It's great. Yeah. I don't know where it was from, but. <laughs> Okay, we have a second clip now, which is, uh, uh, at this point in the movie, Eric and Ray have come together. Ray's just had surgery on a bullet wound, and they've taken refuge at a doctor's. Let's take a look. Tell me where your brother is. He's going south a long way from here. I'll take you to him, I promise. I'm just going to get your T-shirt. Get up and we're leaving. Well, we should ask what the lady says. Get up. What was that sound? It's a car coming. What car? I don't know. That's two cars. How long till they're here? A minute, maybe. Who is it? Get your rifle. Do you know them? Go and get your rifle. Who knows what happens next? Um, so, in, in, in terms of the uh, the central relationship between Erica and Ray, and between and between Rob and Guy, as a director, did you want to keep them apart because it's an antagonistic, twisted relationship? It goes through lots of you know twists and turns and developments. Initially, did you keep them separate on set? No, I mean uh, they they're 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 prof they're professionals. You know, they I, I don't I don't you know, and maybe when you're working with little kids or something, you do that stuff. But you know, <laughs> I don't like those games that directors sometimes play with actors to yeah. try and you know, I if they're professionals and they're good at what they do and they're experienced, they can, you know, I mean the film in a way is about two guys who meet and then go on a journey together, which is basically what these guys did, and so I didn't really have to. Okay try and play, play mind games with them or anything. So, Guy, you didn't just go and stare at Rob for, for, for ages on the first day. How was, that, how was that working relationship? Well, funnily enough, I, I did stare at Rob a bit on the first day because 
I don't think I worked on the first day and I came to set and Rob was doing the scene where he has gotten out of the truck and you sit by the tree and you've got the, you know, the, the, the dress or whatever it is there with you, the cloth, you know. And so I was watching him, what he was doing on the monitor. It was great, actually, because it was the first... I mean, we'd obviously rehearsed together, but seeing what somebody actually does on set and uh, what's caught on camera really enabled me to see how vulnerable he was playing the character. And, and mm. really, it just crystallised, I guess, what the dynamic was going to be because I knew what I wanted to do with Rob as far as the, the, the um, you know, how Eric sort of behaves with him. Yeah. So it was great to actually, you know, have that moment. And I said to David, <laughs> go to David going, wow, it's... It's really good, isn't he? You know, so. <laughs> it's like you were expecting something else. Yeah, shit, he's really got a better lift my game, you know. <laughs> because you, you, you hadn't, uh, and you've admitted this, you hadn't seen any of the Twilight movies. Is this, how, how true is this? That is true. Sorry, yeah. ladies. Um, I'd seen uh, Rob in uh, Water for Elephants, yeah. which I thought, I thought was a lovely film, and I thought Rob did a wonderful job <laughs> and looked like a movie star. And uh, so I'd seen that and, and w I really was impressed. And when David talked about Rob, it just seemed like a, a, a great idea to me. So, yeah, fantastic. And, and Rob, even though uh, I guess you guys weren't kept apart on set and you didn't stare at each other, uh, I guess there is a boundary, a, a trust boundary that actors have to establish because you guys go through hell together in this movie and Guy abuses you quite a bit as well. Did you talk about that beforehand in terms of how comfortable you felt with each other and, and how far you could, you could go? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, in terms of just getting beaten up and stuff, I mean, I, I would like to do anything which affords me to be able to not act at all. And so, like, <laughs> I've, I mean, like, I've first seen a guy's throwing me around with the car. <laughs> I mean, it's literally like, I'm sort of letting my head actually almost knock myself out. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it just makes it easier. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I think the trust is just built because of people's faith in the story and, you know, wanted to make the film good. And, you know, mm. he's not, you know, guy's not the type of actor who's just doing something for his own ego or, mm. you know, just trying to look cool or something. <laughs> it's yeah. heart, if your heart's in the right place, you know, you're yeah. not going to, um, you, you trust them. Mm. Yeah. And, and Guy, I've read that the, uh, the voice is the first thing that you find usually when it comes to a, a character. Is that true? Um, yeah, t you know, pretty much. Um, I feel like it's not until I find the voice that I can then sort of move forward with other things for some reason. I, I, I just think people's voices say so much about them, you know. And uh, with, with the, you know, this was interesting. I, I'm not sure if it was the voice that I found first or if it was more about the physicality, mm. kind of the, you know, the way he kind of moved, you know. And as I say it... I, I sort of uh, left it right to the last minute before I really managed to <laughs> realise who Eric was. So it was a little nerve-wracking there in that couple of days before we started shooting. <laughs> um, and, but the great thing about David's writing in relation t to the voice is that it's, you know, there's a, there's a really unusual sort of cadence and, you know, mm. rhythm to it. And I remember even when we did Animal Kingdom, um, that big scene that I have... Um, and there was, you know, the very particular ways sometimes that David would want me to say something, you know, that mm. that would bring a whole other sort of emphasis or energy to the scene that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of, you know. So it's great working with someone like David who, who also is very particular about how somebody sounds, you know, and the rhythm that they the rhythm that they use. So I really mm. enjoy, you know, that's one one of the reasons why I really enjoy working with David, you know. Absolutely. And uh, and Rob, where do you start? Do you start with the voice? Do you start with the physicality? 
the look of the character what, what, the hair right? it's all about the hair the hair it? it's all the hair I think with this one the voice I guess yeah there was something uh, um, there were all these weird little vocal patterns which I, I just liked reading the script when I first read it and then um, sort of <laughs> little gimmicks and things when I basically like, came up with, a, with a, a subtext to justify how <laughs> I wanted to just do little twi- twerks and twerks. Twerks. <laughs> there, is, there is no twerking yeah. in this one. twerking all the time on set. Which is really embarrassing out in the cut, desert. Yeah, you I have cut to say. all my twerks out. Yeah, they all got cut out of the movie. There's also a scene where um, a guy has a sort of stripping scene, which was also cut <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, that was also cut out. My favourite scene in the movie. <laughs> then there's our dance scene, that was cut out as well. <laughs> I'm being serious, though. <laughs> Such a different film. That was your first draft, David, wasn't it? With all oh, I want to see that version of the movie now. <laughs> and uh, before we have the, uh, the last clip, David, I just want to talk about the, uh, the actual setup for the film, because this takes place after something you've called in the movie The Collapse. Uh, can you talk about what that is for you? I wanted to set a movie... You know, I, when I was writing... Uh, excuse me, I'm talking here. <laughs> um, Always a director. Yeah. Um, I, when I was ri- redrafting the script, it was not long after the, like, the financial crisis of like 2008 or whatever. Mm. I f- remember just being uh, gobsmacked at how certain kind of, uh, you know, monstrous people in the financial industries had been allowed to, like, almost destroy the middle classes of the, of the Western world, mm. and they were just getting away with it, you know. Uh, and but meanwhile, you know, we are, at, we, you know, we are actively destroying the very things that sustain us, you know, that, and yet it would seem that we really don't have any willingness to do anything about climate change, for instance. You know, I was found myself filled with a certain kind of despair and I sort of a kind of anger that I was just rolling into the script and rolling into Guy's character. And this became the future of the movie, you know, mm. a kind of a, 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 like a, a, a collapse of, a, a, you know, a, of Western economies and, and you know, and, and the things that follow as a consequence of that and... And but had that had reduced Australia to a kind of resource-rich third-world country. I wanted this to be the near future of the movie um, because I didn't. I find you know in in, in quote-unquote post-apocalyptic movies, you know, you mm. sit you sit the events of the movie on the other side of some kind of massive single-event cataclysm like an asteroid or a nuclear holocaust or something, and. It just removes you from. I wanted everything that was wrong with the world in the movie to be a, directly connected to everything that's wrong with the world today. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a terrifying movie on, on many levels, not least because you can, it, it, it seems so real. It seems like it could literally happen tomorrow or in the you know, next few years. Um, when reading the script, uh, Guy and Rob, did you begin to put yourselves into that, as you know, project yourselves into the script, what you would do in a situation like that? You know, Eric and Ray are clearly survivors. But what about Kai and Rob? Would you would you last five minutes in a world like this, or would you be gone? Well, I don't know. It's hard to say, really. I mean, you certainly imagine, you think about what what life would be like if it if it if it did turn like that for for us. I mean, it's like that for some people now already in certain parts of the world. And you know, I think I think people are extraordinary as far as what levels they'll go to to survive. And you know, so I I kind of feel like I don't know how I would 
handle it or cope because I feel like I would I would change as a person on some level. But I certainly thought about it, yeah, and thought about how you know affecting and strange it would be. Yeah, and uh, and Rob. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, <laughs> I couldn't really put it more. I couldn't put I don't know more <laughs> eloquently <laughs> than that. <laughs> but, uh, I think you'd be all right. I used to I wonder. Think you'd be fine. I, I used to wonder which of these two would survive if they had left their own devices. And originally, I thought my obviously thought well it would be Guy because he's strong and he's capable and blah blah. blah. <laughs> and then I worked out that it's probably Rob. He'd just shamble around and eat bugs and work stuff out, you know. <laughs> That's the way you think of it. <laughs> I think you'd be fine. I think there's a, you know, there's a few people who adopt you as leader of the tribe. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, okay. Um, okay, we've got one last clip. Then you guys can ask uh, David and Guy and Rob some questions. Uh, this is a, another clip with, uh, with Ray and uh, with Eric. And this is about faith and God. Let's take a quick look. I believe in God, and I know Henry believes in God. There's, and there's no harm Henry wants to see me come to. And I believe in that. Yeah, look at the harm you've come to, and where's Henry? He's waiting for me. He's just waiting for you. Yes, he is. No, he's not. i tell you what God's given you. He's put a bullet in you. And he's abandoned you out here to me. He feels nothing for you. He couldn't give a fuck if you died tomorrow. God gave you a brother who's not waiting for you. He gave you a brother who's not even thinking about you right now. Just because you and him come out of the same woman's hole. The only thing that means anything right now is that I'm here and he's not. Your brother left you to die. That's what people do. You don't learn to fight, your death's gonna come real soon. Okay, we uh, only have a few short minutes for questions, so if you have any questions, there's a hand right immediately in the front row. We'll get a roofing microphone to you. I'm going to try and be as fair as Hi I possibly guys. can. Hi, guys. I'm from the Philippines. Um, yeah. If you just uh, sit down, that'd be great. Please, thank you. Um, first of all, congratulations for the amazing film and the amazing the Rover promotional tour where, where we witnessed the camaraderie between the, uh, the three of you and we witnessed how the two of you um, really admire the directorial capabilities of David. So in relation to this, my question is, um, who are your um, dream directors and actors that you wish to work with? Um, so for Rob and Guy, um, Actors and directors, and then for David, um, actors that you wish to direct. And lastly, I have a message for quick message for Rob. Um, I know you're uh, you mentioned in your interviews that you don't think your Twilight fan Twilight fans will follow you in your, the next phase of your career. Um, so we we just want to know that we're more than just Twilight fans. We are your fans, so we will support you. That's it. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> uh, David. Let's let's start with you. Dream actors to work with. Um, oh God, it's so weird. I I remember 
I remember when I, you know, my agents in America once asking me when they were trying to set me up on meetings with people, they'd say, so what, what actors do you want to work with? And I remember saying, I, I don't know, I like all of them, you know? I, <laughs> I think there is a place for... You know, they're actors, especially famous actors, movie stars. They are movie stars for a reason. You know, they are. There's something about them that's compelling. And then the challenge for a director in casting is just finding the right and interesting ways of using them. You know, so I, I don't know. I just love actors. And <laughs> yeah, how's that? I squirmed out. All of that actors. That's it. <laughs> I feel the same way about all directors. <laughs> It's a hard question to answer because I, I mean, you know, there are the greats like Martin Scorsese and people like that. I mean, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I sit here going, oh, I can't wait to work with Martin Scorsese because it just may never happen. So, you know, um, you want to work with Martin Scorsese? <laughs> Clearly, if he's in the store now buying an iPhone, why isn't he offering me a job? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, well, I'll. Use as an opportunity to try and get a job. <laughs> I want to work. Uh, I want to work with Jacques Odiard because I think he's phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Was that? Oh, do you say other actors? Oh, I fucking hate actors. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a one-man film with Jacques Odiard. That's basically what you want to do. Yeah, on your own, show, just yeah. on your own. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. There's a right at the very back here. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to ask uh, what advice you'd give aspiring actors and whether I may have a photo at the end of this interview with you all. <laughs> oh, photographs I think are going to be tricky because uh, you're going to trap door will open up immediately after this and we'll all disappear. Um, but <laughs> advice for aspiring actors. Rob, let's start with you. Um, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think I need some. Learn, uh, your, li <laughs> learn your lines, I think, yeah, is an important line. bit of advice. Uh, Work with good directors. I think that's basically it. Yeah. Um, find find what you're doing interesting. <laughs> Be true to yourself. Uh, and David as well. I mean, uh, we often get a lot of advice for aspiring filmmakers and directors and writers. Um, for directors and I, you know, I th I think that. Well, depends on what stage. I mean, the first thing I say to anyone who wants to make films is to you should read books. And not books about filmmaking, just read books. Kind of amazes me how few people read these days, you know. If you want to make dense, rich things, you need to have... A, you need to be literate, you know, I think. Uh, okay, that's. I'll leave it there. <laughs> There's uh, so a lady right over here on the very, very left, and then I'll try and go someone over to the right. Maybe. We'll see. Hi. My question is for Rob. Here. <laughs> hey. Um, uh, portraying Ray, you did a big transformation when it comes to your looks, your accent, uh, and also your body language and ticks. Was it something that got stuck in between takes that you couldn't get rid of? Like you kept doing this or something? Was it something that stuck? Uh, yeah, uh, a, a kind of, um, yeah, for some, yeah, little things. It's a really fun part to play. I mean, it's just kind of, you know, you, you, you bring some of the little quirks on. That's what I, what I was thinking of, not twerks, quirks. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I mean, it's really fun, like doing all that stuff. 
was talking to someone yesterday with the most terrible argument ever, but I always think that if you can touch your face <laughs> in, in a scene, then uh, it's always way easier to do the part. Actually, oh, no, no, we already talked about this and it doesn't make any sense. I think it's I'm ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I should not have brought that up. Uh, yeah, that was nonsense. Sorry, um, so if you, touch, if you touch your face during the scene, well, if, if you, you don't really know face, what to do, okay. you just go like that. Because oh, acting okay. really is just about I, knowing what to do with your hands. It is? Pretty, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's about knowing what to do with your hands. Guy, uh, are you, so what do, you, what do you do with your hands? Do you very much keep them down here, or do you are you away? Oh no, they're all they're all over the place. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Willy nilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hands akimbo. <laughs> Willy nilly hands akimbo. You are. My words. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yes. You penetrate with your hands. We've learned everything today. Uh, uh, there's a. We're going to go right to the right, and then one last one in the middle because I said yes. Uh, this lady. There's a lady with a denim jacket. Right at the front back, can you see her? Wave, wave, so we can get the microphone. There we Hello. Go. Um, my question is for Rob, but Guy, you could probably answer this as well. You said yesterday in the Q&A that um, the reason you liked the script was because it was quote-unquote ridiculous. I'm assuming that that was a positive thing. Um, but was it, after watching the movie, there's a lot of silences in the film. Was it the silences that you liked more than the actual dialogue, or is it an even keel? Because the same could be said maybe for Cosmopolis as well. There's quite a few sort of heavy silences in that, so... Really? Because Wolfman is like the talkiest film ever. No, but the, <laughs> but the moments that there are, are quite She profound. had the sound down. No, I mean, I mean, well, you don't really know about the silence. I mean, it's the silences until, you know, you're doing stuff. But, uh, no, I love, I love the dialogue in this so much. I thought it was so um, uh, kind of striking. Um, David's got a really specific way of writing dialogue as well. You can kind of see it. There's a similar way in a similar, similar way in uh, Animal Kingdom as well. You've got like a really specific way of writing. It's, it's like slightly heightened. Um, it's funny. I don't really know how to explain it, but there's something you want to perform it. Um, I think. And Guy, can you talk about the dialogue as well? Because initially, Eric is a man of, well, no words, and then a few words, and then he gets a little bit more verbose as it goes on. I almost had this vision of you doing that classically Marvin Steve McQueen thing of rubbing lines out of your script. Is it, was it like that, or was it uh, delivered that way? Uh, no, it was, de it was sort of delivered that way from memory. I mean, um, it, it, was, it was very spare, and, and, in a, and I love that, to be honest. Um, you know, and then suddenly we get to the the middle of the film or wherever it is where I have this giant speech and yeah. sort of let it let it all out. So, you know, everything I've been bottling up sort of comes out in this in this sort of one moment with Tony Hayes. But uh, you know, I I love David's dialogue, and so when it's there, I I felt it was great. But I I was really taken by you know what could be said without actually speaking mm. as well. Yeah. And David, I, I presume the screenplay was written in in that in that way with that that intent of keeping a guy's character quite quiet initially? No, after making the really dense kind of interwoven sprawling thing of Animal Kingdom, I really loved the idea of doing something that was very lean and elemental and had, you know, and especially for Guy writing a character that was like a, you know, a, 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 a mysterious, almost unknowable man yeah. who roamed through the landscape like a ghost, like a man who barely even existed anymore, you know, and... Uh, yeah, it's fun to write that stuff. It's fun to strip someone down to their most sort of basic <laughs> venal elements, you know. 
and then get Guy Pearce to do it. <laughs> okay, we got time for this last question. This lady here in the second row. Hi. Um, I saw the film yesterday and the music makes it really intense and I literally held my breath for the majority of the film like, and all the music built it up. Apart from the pretty girl rock scene, that was, I think, the only time when I actually breathed. So if, if we was watching the film as Guy and Rob, which song would you sing that the audience would not expect? Because I didn't expect that song to come up. So which song like is unexpected that the audience wouldn't expect you to start singing in a situation like that. Oh, I think if I sang any song in the movie, it would be uh, it would be it would be weird. Um, I want to see that version. Yeah, of the that's movie. right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a reference to the. In my car. I would quite like it. Just if, if the the preceding scene, after the pretty girl rock scene, after I've gone to bed in your kind of solemn way, just start singing it like forlornly the after same song, <laughs> the same tune. Yeah. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's caused the emotional... That's the, right. the emotional climax of the movie. Yeah. Just reminiscing over Kerry Olsen. And we may see that in the twerking cut of the rover, which will be released <laughs> early next year. Uh, on that bombshell, it's a good note on which to end. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for your questions. Thanks, most of all, David Meeshow, Guy Pearce and Robert Pattinson. Thank you.